Pastor Chandler United Methodist Church as we come together online for worship. We are disciples, we follow Jesus, we imitate Jesus, we are shaped by, we are on the lookout for God's movement. The story I'm about to tell happened at a church that I served back toward the beginning of my professional ministry. I was a pastor at this church. I was an associate pastor at the time. I was fresh out of seminary. It was an interesting congregation. It was a congregation in transition. It had been founded very much in a rural part of Arizona, outside of a metropolitan area, and county roads were now giving way to pavement at a rather alarming rate, and subdivisions were being put in at a similar rate, and suburban families were beginning to take over the church. But in the church, there were still many ranchers and many rural families who had been church founders. The events that I'm about to share began to unfold the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Between services, during what was called coffee hour, a tacturn, silver-haired pillar of the congregation, one of those founding families. His name was Angus. He informed me that his son Larry and Larry's wife Sherry, who live in Albuquerque, would be visiting for the Thanksgiving weekend and Sherry and Larry had just added a son to the extended family, and of course the child's name was Angus Larry. As he informed me of this, Angus smiled a little bit, and he also then went on to tell me that they were planning on calling the new child, the baby, Skip. And since they were all going to be in town, and since Sherry's folks just live in Heber and could drive down, and since this was going to be a big reunion of the whole family, they wanted me to do the baby. That's how Angus said it to me. They wanted to do the baby that next week when it was convenient for them all to be there. I walked Angus out of the crowded fellowship hall coffee hour and over to my office for a quieter setting, for an informal discussion about the integrity of the sacrament of baptism. I asked Angus about Larry and Sherry's church affiliation in Albuquerque, explaining that because the congregation took a vow to support and care for the child and the child's parents, that it would be best for the baptism to occur in the church where the child would be raised and mom and dad could be supported. Unfortunately, they had not settled on a church that they liked because they had only been in Albuquerque for about nine years. And so I talked about the importance of the parent commitment to practicing a faith, because that also is a vow that is taken in the ritual of baptism. And the fact that they were going to be making some rather deep promises in the ritual of doing the baby. 
Angus seemed to catch my drift to preserve the sanctity of the ritual of baptism, Larry and Sherry should find and become active in a church in Albuquerque, and then extended family could travel and you could make a day of it and have Skip baptized there in that church. Angus listened to all of this in a rather dignified and formal silence. He offered no response. He didn't argue. He simply shook my hand and thanked me for my time. And young fool that I was, I thought the matter was settled. Angus was a leader of the church and one of that dwindling breed of courtly, gentle, reliable, determined patriarchs of the church who knew how to make things happen. In my memory, that crowd, that group of people, wears nothing but navy blue serge suits. Something of a uniform identifying them as members of an army in defense of the way they like things to be. I remember growing up encountering a whole flock of these men and women as I was preparing for confirmation. It was the day in which we would go into a room and we would be asked a question to be examined in preparation for confirmation. And I walked into the room and they were seated around the long, dark, mahogany table in the church boardroom. Eight or ten of them were in there. They were all wearing dark blue suits. And there was me, a skinny, tall 12-year-old in a corduroy jacket with sleeves three inches too short. They welcomed me, and then the one wearing wire-rimmed glasses asked me my prearranged question from church doctrine. What is prevenient grace? I'd been practicing my answers, and I can still recite for the most part. I'd been practicing my answers for about three weeks, but something about the look of this crowd and the way the asker of the question looked over his wire-rimmed glasses as he emphasized specific words, something about it all threw me off balance. And I think the answer that I gave was the answer to the question, what is sanctification? They thanked me, they nodded as I left, they shook my hand, and they confirmed me, not out of mercy, but because I was 12, and when you were 12 in a Methodist church, from a Methodist family, you were confirmed. That's the way things were. They were hardly going to permit my fogginess on the specificity of provenient grace to alter their local tradition. Surge-suited elders are a resolute and determined bunch, and true to his type, immediately upon leaving my office, Angus had an informal meeting of the administrative board. Well, really what he did was simply approach and speak with each of the members of the board, gathering their approval of the baptism of Angus Larry the following week, one at a time. And he then informed the senior pastor 
that they had had the meeting and voted 12 to 0 in favor of the baptism. I heard that the following morning, Monday, and I was so mad that I could spit. The senior pastor said that he thought it would be best to simply do the baptism rather than rile people up. So, the following week, the morning of the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we did the baby. We baptized little Angus Larry. This congregation had, and well, maybe still has, an odd little baptism custom. After the ritual starts, the introduction of the baptism ritual, the pastor pauses and looks up at the congregation and inquires, who stands with this child? which signals to the entire extended family of the little one about to be baptized to rise and remain standing for the remainder of the ceremony. And so, with Angus Larry in my arms, I asked, Who stands with this child? And up stood Angus in his blue serge suit, and up stood his wife, Minnie, and up stood Sherry's folks from Heber, and up stood a slew of cousins. After church, everybody rushed home to turkey leftovers, and after greeting a few stragglers, I went back into the sanctuary and was gathering up my notes and maybe throwing away a few bulletins and turning off lights and locking doors, and a middle-aged woman wearing a navy blue dress and suit coat, a serge suit, was waiting in the front pew with a black plastic purse held tightly in her lap. Mildred was her name, and I knew her as someone who was there every Sunday, and she sat always in the very back pew as close to a door as possible and was always up and out during the closing hymn. Her family also were among the founding members of the church. She seemed to be at a loss for words. She was unusually hesitant about looking at me for very long. She finally commented about how lovely the baptism had been. After another long pause, she said that her daughter, Tina, had just had a baby, and, well, the baby ought to be baptized, right? I have never met Mildred's extended family, and so I suggested that Tina and her husband call me, and we would set a time in which we would discuss the suitability of baptism. I was still a little bit raw from the baptism of Angus Larry, what had led to that, and I'm sure that I was more than a bit curt with Mildred. And she hesitated again, and then catching and holding my eyes for the first time, she said, Tina's got no husband. She's just 18. She was confirmed in this church she used to come out for youth group. But then she started dating this older boy. 
She hesitated a moment. She gathered her words, and then she let the rest of the story tumble out fearlessly. They were dating, and then she got pregnant, and then she decided to keep the baby, and she wants to have it baptized here in her own church. She's very nervous to come and talk to you, Reverend. She's named the baby James, she said. Jimmy. And then she smiled. I got out of my head. I, I calmed down. I took a breath, and I said, I'm sure we can work this out. Mainly, I wanted to make a connection with Tina and meet her and welcome her into the church, her church. But I was no longer quite sure exactly what the protocol was. Did I need to bring a request for baptism to the church administrative board for approval? Mostly... <laughs> I saw an opportunity, and so I called a special meeting of the administrative board, and I brought the matter up. And there were, in response, an immediate moot question or two about why in the world Tina would be keeping the baby. I started to explain what it came out everybody already knew, namely that Tina was a member of the church, an unwed mother, and that I didn't know who the father was. Well, they all knew who the father was, and they proceeded to tell me that the father was, of course, one Jimmy Hawthorne, who was two years older than Tina and had recently chosen a career in our nation's armed forces and was presently completing basic training. A few questions were asked as to whether we could be certain that Tina would stick to the commitment she was making in having the child baptized. The Angus Larry affair had kind of put me in a feisty mood and being the jerk that I could be, I remarked that Tina and little Jimmy were, after all, right here in town where we could easily reach out and offer them support. And I did not say, I did not have to say, and not in Albuquerque. The problem in that board meeting, the problem in that church was their baptism tradition, which celebrated and lifted up and pointed out big families being in church together and standing for baptisms. And they were all forming in their minds a picture of this baptism, of Tina standing alone with little Jimmy in her arms. Big Jimmy gone, meaning that Mildred would be the only one who would be standing in the congregation when the question was asked. They approved it, of course. They also decided informally that they did not need to be consulted about who should be baptized. And so after meeting and talking with Tina and some of her extended family, the baptism was scheduled for the last Sunday of Advent, the Sunday right before Christmas. And of course, as is it always is, the last Sunday of Advent, the church was full. And at the appropriate time in the service, the liturgist who was to assist me in the baptism 
stood up beside me at the baptismal font and read the words typed on a three by five card. She read, Tina presents her son for baptism. As Tina rose and from her seat and began to move forward, the liturgist kept looking down at the card as if there were some other words that she wished were there to say. Down the aisle, Tina came, nervous, walking briskly, smiling at me, being a little nervous, of course. She held Jimmy in her arms. Jimmy had a blue pacifier in his mouth. I tried to smile a lot to reassure her. And as she walked up, it being close to Christmas, I could not help but remember another baby boy born to a young unwed mother. And then I began to read the introduction to the ritual of baptism. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. And as I did, I also noticed Tina's mom, Mildred, sitting strangely out of place in the very front row. And then as was the tradition, I paused, I looked at the congregation, and I said, who stands with this child? I gently nodded at Mildred, trying to coax her to her feet. She rose slowly. She glanced to the left and to the right, and then she returned her gaze to me, and she began to smile. Her hands reached out in front of her as if she was hoping for something like a pew to instantly appear, something to simply hold on to. My eyes went back to the hymnal, the service, the ritual, and I tried to find my place in the service so that we could begin. And I was just about to ask Tina the first of the parents' questions of commitment when I became aware of movement in the pews. Angus had stood up in his blue serge suit. His wife, Minnie, beside him was standing also. And then I noticed a couple of other board members had stood up. And then the junior high Sunday school teacher had stood up. And then a new couple in the church had stood up. And then the choir director and the entire choir stood up. And right there, it didn't take but another second before my eyes, the whole church was standing up for little Jimmy. Tina began to tear up. And Mildred looked as though <laughs> she were standing on the deck of a ship rolling over great waves. And in a way, she was. I had a hard time moving forward because I couldn't speak. The unexpectedness of this departure from tradition at first disquieted and then it quieted all of us. Even little Jimmy, who had been wiggling and squeaking as though he might be preparing to screech. We proceeded with the baptism, and as the water touched his forehead, he focused on that for a moment, and then his eyes went sideways, and he was looking at the congregation 
as the water rolled back in his thin wisps of hair, he was watching the congregation. Every eye was on this child who was, in that moment, everyone's baby. I broke my gaze of looking at little Jimmy and I looked up at the congregation to let them know I was about to offer the baptismal prayer. And I noticed Angus was standing tall with his head back trying to see Jimmy from his seat halfway back in the pews. Angus was looking into the face of the infant with an open mouth smile. I thought that maybe Angus was remembering his own son, now a grown man. Maybe the baptism of his grandchild, but a couple weeks before. The scripture reading that morning had been some verses from 1 John. See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God abides in us, and God's love is perfected in us. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. On that day, in that baptism, those old words came alive, and everybody in the church saw it. May the Spirit of God whom we know in the person of Jesus, go before you to show you the way, behind you to nudge you forward when you're too frightened to move, above you to watch over you, beside you to be sometimes the only friend you have in this world, and within you that you might have peace. Be always in peace. Amen. Amen.